1: So he would always tell me, my dad would always say, Let me tell you about my brother, smartest guy in the family, but he doesn't finish anything. You start anything, you got to finish it.
0: Because this is capitalism, bro, where the winners win. What's your podcast? The Coach HP Show. I love it. Coach HP, HP, I like what it. a vibe. You got a great HP. vibe going great on. We're vibe. happy we can meet great you. Great energy. Dude, we're just we're just gonna get right into this. First question, Pat. How many people in Miami think you're Cuban? Many. 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 Tell me why though. Because you have, I'm Cuban. Okay. okay. I was born in Cuba. You have the classic Cuban look. Tall, dark, handsome, you got the hair going, and they hit everybody with the Spanish, right? I didn't know. Your people existed till I moved to Los Angeles. I didn't know there was because they're not here. Because they're not yeah. here. Yeah, I grew up here. I didn't know what an Armenian was. I didn't know what an Iranian was. A Persian, nothing. And then the other place was where's your mom from? The uh, Assyrian
1: Armenian. Yeah, my mom's from Baku. But so I didn't know any of that stuff, Where'd right? you live in LA? I lived, bro. Now we're getting, now we're getting, we're getting deep real quick. So I lived
0: in a car for six months because a guy who discovered me was. I'm start off like this. I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball by far. Okay? Let me see the ball real quick, Troy. Miami baseball. Miami baseball. So, first thing before, please. You're not interviewing me, buddy. I'm interviewing you. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Talk to me.
1: You pick that up, right now. What does that mean to what you, What does right this now? mean to me? Yes. Uh, the most therapeutic game in the world. That's what I would say to it. Baseball is the most therapeutic game in the world to me. But this is perfect game. I'm going to get to why it's a okay. perfect game because right. you don't know that yet okay. but
0: I believe that everything in life happens for a reason okay. right? I believe that right now you are the most you use when you talk to people necessary you are the most important person in what's happening now in society and in what's happening now with the shift of The two eras, we're the same age. We might not look, we're both 43, okay? We got young vibes to ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. You had Massey here, Coach Massey, Mm -hmm. Monday, preaching gems. The problem is he looks old. So the young kids are like, get this guy out of my face. Yeah. But where you're special, and I want to see if you agree with me in this or not, is Pat, you're one of the few guys that has a presence. You're 6'5", you're jacked, but you got a heart of gold you're humble, you admit to your mistakes, you admit to, listen, I might be wrong, I might be right, but what you're getting is straight passion, man. And there's nobody perfect to lead the charge of whatever the fuck Patrick wants to lead right now than you. Do you agree with that or no?
1: I I think there is, <clears throat> I think there's some going on in 08. Uh, I started making money and had already experienced you know, a little bit of success. i traveled the world, I've done a lot of stuff, but I felt something was missing and I had to find my cause and my purpose. And the cause and purpose is a longer gas tank and fire. If there's an edge that I do have, is I'm clear about what I'm doing with my life. And that's my edge. Now all the other stuff, well, you know, personality, drive, how I process issues, you know, they, that, that's on the eye of the beholder for you to make that judgment of me. But I think. But you gotta feel it though. You I gotta feel that you oh no, have. It. I do feel it. I do feel it. But I also feel I come from a place of uh, I'm the guy that is willing to stand up to the guy that's manipulating and playing games. I'm very comfortable. But
0: there. you know why yeah. you're comfortable doing that? I'm gonna tell you why.
1: Because you come from a place of truth.
0: You come from a place of heart. You're you're an anomaly because you are a family guy. In your heart, you're a family guy. And as I look at your history, you've searched for family your whole life, Mm -hmm. but you can relate to the single dudes. And what makes you special is you don't hate on the single guys. like, no, 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 you wanna have fun? Go right ahead, whatever. Now, you're gonna come this way? These are the actions of what you take. Mm -hmm. People don't do that.
1: You do that. How
0: are you able to do
1: that, man? Uh, You know, I was having a call with a couple of my guys. And uh, one of the guys was telling me, well, you know, you know, business was doing great when we were doing this. And that guy's like, our business is doing great right now. So handful of the guys, their business is killing it. Handful of the guys are experiencing a plateau. And I said, you know, it, around you, your relationships and contacts will increase the less you judge. So what does that mean? I said, look, I, I went to a church in Dallas, it's one of the biggest churches in Dallas. The pastor has been there for a long time. And I go to this place. And in, in the place as a campus, it can fit 10,000 people in the arena that they have in the sanctuary, but he's only got 500 people in the arenas. And I said, why is this the case? I'm like, I'm trying to figure this out. Why? He's still the guy that's preaching. So an Easter service comes up and I go to the Easter service because Easter service tells you about the church. So I go to the service and I hear him. He has an hour. What makes Easter service unique? Here's what makes it unique. of the services you have, nobody shows up. Mm -hmm. But everybody shows up to what? Easter service or Christmas. Christmas. So this is every pastor's Super Bowl to convert people. Yes, yes. Right? Think about it. You have this opportunity. Guys who are not going to become members, okay? Or guys that used to go, you can get them to say, maybe i got to go back to church. And then I listened to a sermon for an hour and I said, man, I feel so judged after an hour. He kept judging everybody. You know, shame on you with this. I'm like, dude, shame on you. Shame on you. You think that's going to get people to want to be around? Everybody feels ashamed because of stupid things they've done in the past. You tell me who doesn't have something in their closet to say they're embarrassed of, right? The less you judge, the more you understand, the more you'll have a variety of different types of people in your life. So I feel anytime you see a guy that has different types of people from different walks of life, deep down inside, you're seeing a guy that doesn't judge a lot. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So
0: I had a whole thing planned here to this. You're going to love this path of what I'm going to ask you, right? You see all this? Is? I see it. Prepare but it. the massy thing kind of steered me off because how I said it, everything happens for a reason, right? You post a story with your son in a baseball field with a Cubs uniform there. Uh, I think it was Monday night. Yeah. Yep. You don't know anything. You probably don't know anything about me. I'm two things. I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball but God gifted me, I'm like the kid whisperer. So nobody has dealt with more professional people and their kids than me. Coincidentally, you didn't know this was coming, but this is who you have in front of you right now. Nobody can take, I've taken, you name it, with their kids and try to figure out how do we make Jordan's kid, Jordan, right? So as I'm watching you and I study you, I go, okay, The basis of everything of my content that I do, I do it for my dad. And I'm going to tell you why. We have very similar stories because our dad are prominent figures, right? Your dad is your best friend. My dad prepared me for everything in life except to deal with him. Mm -hmm. So my dad's the youngest of 15 kids. Holy moly. Cuban. Cuban. Just like your dad, mustache, Mm right? Right. Anybody that has a mustache, you know they're serious for some reason. (laughs) That's serious. You know what I'm saying? But my dad, where he messed up was he beat the shit out of me when I failed in baseball. So he created this like weird thing that I can't trust you because not only are you beating the shit out of me, you're beating the shit out of my mom, my sister. And when you grow up in abuse... You either embrace it or you run away from it. And I would see that. And I lived in fear for 18 years because he tried to control me, control me. So my goal is to figure out in everything I do, the father-son relationship, mm-hmm. right? And what leads to and How can mm-hmm. I fix that to this, right? So this man right here did a bunch of pins for you, right? Before Oh, before we get into that, look at what a coincidence is. That's your slogan, right? When did you come up with that?
1: Oh my God. I mean, this is 20 years. This is what was preached to me and I preach it to everybody. Your okay. attitude and your effort.
0: Okay. You're not gonna, hopefully you don't sue me, okay? So I had this dude commission me a picture, okay? That he's done it for yeah. for like probably three years. Look at mine.
1: Look. You gotta be kidding me. I swear to God. I love that.
0: Now the third one we have to add to this, yeah. which is something we talked about, is expectations. Mm-hmm. Cause we can manage expectations. Yep. and We gotta teach that, right? But since I told you what I care about,
1: Look at that. That's sick, man. Yep, six years old.
0: That's what I care about, right? Okay, so now, let's talk about Gabriel. Let's talk about Pops. Yep. So I got Pops, right? In your eyes now, if we could go back, kind of like the the ghost of Christmas past. Remember that movie that Mm -hmm. he kind of followed? If me and you sit down now with Pops in, where, where was this picture taken? This is 1984, Iran. So, me and you and Iran, right now, Mm -hmm. looking at
1: this picture here, what makes that dude your boy? Uh, Highest level of intensity. Um, His standard and expectation was never be afraid of the truth. Um, You don't need to lie to anybody. Just tell them exactly where you're at and what you're thinking about. Um, Hard work. Um, If you're going to say you're going to do something, do it. He had a brother. Johnny, who was the smartest guy of all of them amongst the four kids, and I got his height. He's six four, six five, and he was a physicist and he's a math guy. So I got the math from him, and I got the math from my mom and uh, her brother. And but the challenge he had was he was known as seventy percent Johnny. He would start projects and he would go that's all the way to, That's the uncle, his brother. He would go all the way up to seventy percent of finishing the project, and then he would drop it and move on and go to the next one. So he was great, he was the smartest, brightest. He would read books. He was all about constantly reading books that nobody wanted to read, physics, chemistry. Who reads books like that? His brother did. And he would smoke a pipe kind of like Einstein. That's kinda <laughs> how he was, that was his personality. But he never finished anything. So he would always tell me, my dad would always say, Let me tell you about my brother, smartest guy in the family, but he doesn't finish anything. You start anything, you gotta finish it. Smartest guy, he's smarter than all of us, but he never finishes anything. So he would always feed that stuff, but at the same time, the guy loved in his own way without ever telling you he loved you. But you felt 100% of this man's love. 100% of 100%. his love.
0: Pat, when you would mess up, how would he correct you? What would he do? Because it's a yeah. different era, you mm-hmm.
1: know? We came up with the yeah. era that our parents just look at us and it's fear and-, yeah. and, and I'm gonna tell you something, that's gonna be very weird. So my mom has hit me. My dad's never once hit me, okay? my mom's dynamic the dynamic between the two of them was very different my dad in a way was tough and rough without ever raising his hands on you but you respected him and you wanted to come through for the guy mom was slightly more on the judgment side you know you can't embarrass me in front of my family you can't embarrass me like like that you can not like more like women stuff like women tend to sure, do that I right? tend to, my dad could give a shit about that exactly. right? my dad's yeah, like yeah, listen yeah. here's what i want yeah. you to do right so My dad never, he's, you know, from day one till today, he's never once uh, laid his hands on me. But at six years old, at this age, when I'm in school, I go to school. The teacher asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to be a dad because I want to be like this guy. You know, we're talking the other day on the podcast on Massey, the same thing. And we're talking about Tiger. We're talking about William Sisters. We're talking about Agassi. We're talking about all these guys. And we're saying... Take the, what what role, what percentage of the success is the pops? What percentage of the success is the talent, right? He said 75% plus is the the dad, right? Because Tiger's dad started early and the mom, both of them. Serena Williams, the Williams sisters, the dad, are you kidding me? The guy's ridiculous, Right. right? With the kind of expectation that he had. It's continuous, constant that's happening. It's nonstop. You see a Trump, whether you like Trump or not, Trump is a byproduct of a Fred Trump, and Fred Trump is a byproduct of his grandfather, Fred's father, Trump's father, Trump's grandfather. If you've never studied Trump's grandpa, you will know why Trump is like Trump. Go study Trump's grandfather who opened up a restaurant, I believe a strip club or something in Alaska, out of all the places, like you did this stuff. There's this documentary called Trumpster. Anybody you meet that's hardcore, tough, determined, doesn't take shit and it's constantly going, you're generally gonna find somebody in the lineage there, yeah. somebody that either challenged the hell out of them, beat them up, expectation was here, nothing was ever good enough, and they had to rise up to it. Now, and that me, continues it, forever. It continues, but let me they ask you a So yeah. as I watch you, right? I'm like, okay.
0: I'm like, all right, Pat's trying to figure out the formula for himself. I, I watch you and I'm like, he's trying to figure out something out. I, when I hear you talk parenting, and the only reason why I'm an expert in this is because I get about a thousand DMs a week. Parents all over the country just asking me questions about sports and stuff like that. And as I watch you, I haven't heard anything that, that, that I dis, that I disagree with. Because you're on point on everything, on everything as you go, right? But as I as I see you, okay, there's Pat, there's Gabriel, Pat Tico, mm-hmm. right? Which is uh, my dad's name's Hector, I'm Hector. They call me Egg Tico. So I said, and then just did it. What for? Forget what they have differences. What four similarities and characteristics are you now looking with the with you four, that David men? What are you saying? Like, man, we're the same in this.
1: So it, it, it's the values you can teach. Okay, that I can't do anything with your DNA. Meaning your, you know, things that you do on your own personality. That let's just say. You know, you are somebody that's a morning person. You're a night person. I can't do nothing with that. Okay. That's, that's you. But the values and principles I can teach you, that's transferable to anybody. Okay. That can be transferred to anybody. So the four kids can come from the same mom and dad and say that dad is going to be somebody that's a high standard type of person. And he's going to teach them the right values and principles. Keep your word. Don't be afraid of the truth. Read, work on yourself, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't mean all of the four are going to apply everything at the highest levels, right? But the values and principles they're going to know. So lead, respect, improve, love. Everybody knows that. Courage, wisdom, tolerance, understanding. Everybody knows that. We don't bully, we don't get bullied. Every one of the kids knows that. I, Dylan James but David will one day be a great leader. Every kid knows that, right? Now, it's to watch them individually to see what moves you. The other day, we're throwing a baseball outside, me, Tico and Dylan. And Dylan's just throwing it like this, very like, you know. Very chill. Chill, I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? I said, throw the ball. He's just throwing, I said, I don't like this game. I said, I don't care if you like this game. Throw the ball, hit me, throw it. Then he throws it. Then he's got a button the moment you pr- uh, press. If Tico gets angry, the ball is coming. So he's driven by that, okay? He's driven by hitting that one button and then a whole different person shows up, okay? And then he's gonna hit you. He hits the ball, I'm gonna feel And he doesn't like the game of baseball. So, but Dylan, Dylan is based off of something else. Dylan is more based off, see how you did that? You can do it again. See how you got that? See if you can do a little bit better. See you got good job, buddy. That's Dylan. Dylan wants to, you know, he wants, he's a flag carrier personality, that's Dylan. Tico doesn't give a shit. Tico's like, listen, here's how I'm going to do it. These are my standards. Here's my wiring. You like it. You don't like it. That's your problem. Mm -hmm. But neither is a problem. That's their DNA. It's on the leader's ability to get them to make the right adjustment dealing with those personalities. I'll give you one mistake I made with Patrick, with Tico. He's four or five years old. Okay. He's playing some sport. It's either soccer or baseball. And, you know, my dream was I'm either going to play professional baseball or I'm going to own a professional baseball team. Baseball to me is therapeutic. There's something very relaxing about the game of baseball, going to it. The sound, the ball, the way you dance, the way you pick it up, the way you throw it. You're dancing. The game is a beautiful game, right? So he's four or five years old. I'm like, here's how you do it. Why don't you do this? Go, do, do, do. And I'm just kicking his ass at five years old. Coach pulled him and said, hey, Pops, can I tell you something? I said, yeah, what's up? He says, Step number one, with a kid playing any sport, let him have fun, leave him alone. You're going to know if this kid's going to be able to get to the next level or not to play high school or college. You're not going to know until 12 years old. Let him enjoy the game. Okay. So the mistake I made is I started the sequencing of expectation too early Word. and rather than falling in love with the game, it was more like, come on, we got to. Right. So those are the times that we as parents make mistakes and we have to understand that different. But as far as the kids go, I'm more trying to find out how you're wired and trying to push you to get to the get the best out of you. When you look at and I love that. When you look at when I look at baseball
0: and I watch you because you're an intense guy, everything's about you is intense with with heart, but you're intense. Right. How do you because I know you had a talk with the coach. You said that, hey, man, be tougher with my son. right? But I'm watching. I could tell so many, by that little story that you put. My first question is, is he using a U-triple-s-a battery? Do they play USA back? Because he's using a Rawlings guy bat, but it's a smaller one. So all these things I'm figuring out, I see the coach, older guy, which means he's chill. I'm I'm watching everything, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But what I do is just like, it's like how Massey said, I project, right? So this is what I do. I got a strong dad, 6'5". We got 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", coming up here soon. Let's have fun, Right? But since you're a no-nonsense guy, you don't have fun unless it's like fun, fun, right? Mm-hmm. So what I do is, these years is to set the tone. So in everything I do, especially working with kids, first thing I do is set the tone. All right, guys, these are the rules. We're gonna go here. We're gonna. You're gonna throw dinner. We're gonna throw hard. We're, gonna, we're not gonna learn. This is not now. If you wanna throw that, let me know. I'll lower my expectations. But we're gonna play. This is first thing I do, because I started to find out. I started to ask myself, why am I the most disciplined guy? But the kids love me. Like I walk into any field, yeah, go, hey, Coach HP, they go crazy. Mm-hmm. Because we need discipline. And you know that. Mm-hmm. We need discipline. So I set the tone. But right after I set the tone, and it's so funny, I did a post on this uh, on ESPN. I said on ESPN like three three years ago, which it did real good. After I set the tone, I'm so positive. I'm like a cheerleader. Like once you the tone, I'm like, Dylan, let's go, man. I don't care if Dylan walks straight from third base to second base. My man, hey, that's good, keep it going. Because what happens is only Patrick, but David knows what it's like to be Patrick. But then You have no idea the pressures mm-hmm. of baseball. You say you love baseball. Baseball is the most depressing sport on the planet. It's the only sport, think of this, that out of 10 times you get to fail seven and be not only an all-star or a hall of famer, but a multi-millionaire. Mm-hmm. Baseball. Mm-hmm. If in basketball, 10 shots, you miss seven, you're done. If in football, you drop seven passes, you're done. And on top of that, let me give you an extra one. Baseball, you fail. I'm the third batter. Third batter, you're fourth batter. I stand up. First at bat. I'm nervous. I'm there. The umpire fucks up. A Little League umpire who's an old man making Mm -hmm. eight bucks a game. Messes up. I cannot go to you. Hey, Patrick, do me a favor, man. Can we switch at bat for a second? Can I go take your turn? By law, I have to wait. In Little League, it's probably 12, 11 batters to hit again. You know how depressing that is? You know how hard that is? It's the hardest thing to do in the world. So that's why I tell parents empathy, empathy. So I was at the perfect game. I'm the first influencer because of my story. So I just started to share my story. Mm -hmm. Got picked up on social media, following this whole thing. And I signed with Rawlings. I'm the first influencer signed with Rawlings, right? So I'm at the perfect game in San Diego last year. Best players in the country. Best players in the country. Uh, Maguire's kid, Andrew Jones' kid. Uh, Carl Crawford's kid, best people know. I feel that what's happening in society with kids is, we're, it's almost like what's happening in economic sense. We're eliminating the middle class and it's either you're a beast or you suck. And what I care about saving is, listen, the kids that are, your older son is going to be a director, that guy, mm-hmm. yeah, that guy ain't gonna touch base on mm-hmm. But the kids in the middle, how do I imitate the message that I see those parents do, because what a coincidence that those parents that are watching those kids—they're not worried about anything. They're like, put your elbow, put your—they're not saying a single word. They're just enjoying it. Maybe because they played. Maybe because what? Right. So what I try to tell parents that are in the middle of the road right now is this: Your job is to keep the shark in the water. Don't take them out of the water. You keep them in the water. So when you're outside in the backyard, and Dylan flings it like this, and inside you're like motherfucker i spent all this time i, I was going to interview elon and i told him hey elon let's do it on this day so this guy could do this right with that pressure and the minute you see it you go oh this guy's it's not his day today because they don't know how to tell you that remember the hardest thing to do is to drop from 43 to 9 yeah. to 10 to 5 uh-huh. to 4, right so this is what you do you sit there and watch and you go oh this guy doesn't have it. perfect buddy let's do three more like this and let's jump in the pool and go play cannibal because i want sports give me this. Because what I care about more than the six-year-old
1: is the four, hold you here. 41.
0: Because you don't see too many 41-year-olds doing this, man. I have a problem right now. I've never once called my dad for advice. My dad lived his whole life for this era of being a grandfather. We literally never went anywhere. You're talking to a guy when you grew up in the 80s and 90s and your dad's beating the shit out of you every time, everywhere you go. I trained like Rambo every single day. I didn't have a TV in my nice, room. the highest level you made it up. I made it a uh, division one, but I'm gonna tell you why I'm the biggest failure. And this is why this, this is message is so important. My dad sabotaged me from when I was young to the seventh grade, sabotaged me. I'm literally mm-hmm. a prisoner. You're a numbers guy. You become an entrepreneur. You're like, I'm selling hats, whatever. All I'm doing is I'm baseball 24-7. So my dad is Cuban. When you're Cuban, you do three things exceptionally well. Other than make love. Number one, baseball. Number two, boxing. And number three is dominoes with a double nine, not the double six. The double nine for the long, right? So my dad, it was baseball, but he trained me like a boxer. So I'm a kid with an eight-pack ripped doing wheelbarrows on the thing and i'm doing that 24 7 saturday Sunday. i went to disney world one time in 1982 for my sister's birthday that's it okay have an older sister my whole life was baseball my dad is my manager my mom is videotaping me and my sister is the scorekeeper of mm. force that is our life there is nothing else no tv in my room no nintendo the temperament of the house was how good hector did in baseball Hector did great it's awesome Everybody wants to be around me because you know how parents are, they think the juju like it goes like it fits why so everybody wants next to the stud, whatever. What happened is when I turned seven years old, my dad over pitches me. And I'm telling uh I, I, Papi, my like my arm is kidding me. And, in, and with the rage of the world, he's like, but money okay. go. Well, like, you know, that was, mm-hmm. okay. that, that was mm-hmm. like your shit. That's what in front everybody, whatever. So I learned how to pitch through pain and the adrenaline would kick in and I we won first place that year but I lost my arm like I couldn't literally comb my seventh grade seventh grade right I'm, li- I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the tallest kid what, pa- what part of Miami like what high school did you play I, I went to a high school called Braddock yeah okay but all this year these years is, is the best high school it's called Columbus High School I'm gonna I'm get into that okay yeah. but this is what happens so as I lose my arm I'm still a great hitter So I'm about to go to high school. I get recruited by everybody. But my dad's a blue collar guy. That's a brain, just like you in numbers, calculus teacher in Cuba, engineer, all these things. But he works for Pepsi, stocking Pepsi things for 30 years. Tremendous guy, tremendous worker, never calls in sick. The guy did, when you know a guy drives like this, okay and in the 90s or 80s didn't have illegal cable that's my dad mm. my dad will not cheat you a thing but it's hard to live in this world because in this world you got to be in the gray of a lot of things if you right now came late today there's a the good reason i can't sit and go hey buddy come on that's my dad my dad makes people shorter and fatter i make them leaner and taller that's my dad and he thinks he's being funny he's an like old school guy you know what i'm saying So when I get to 8th grade, Patrick, that I start developing and I start realizing chicks and I realize what's really going on, I was like, look what this guy did to me. So you know where I fought him? Hmm. Because I couldn't fight him physically. On the baseball field. Motherfucker. That's what I'm going to get back to So I had identity issues growing up. I wanted to be the cool guy because I'm losing. I have this look. I have this physique. But I got nothing. I don't have freedom. I don't have cool clothes. My clothes are at Kmart. I have this, I have that. And if at least I had positivity, but my dad's beating the shit out of me every time there's failure. So my life was completely off. Hmm. But I noticed that I'm not a hater, that I'm extremely positive around everybody. And I have this weird, like the trauma put me in this weird thing. and,
1: And I tell this to people all the time,
0: I wet the bed till I was 14 years old. Wow. Dealing with trauma of my dad
1: yeah. beating me up. Right? How old are you? You're you're, you're same age or the same age? F- what, what, what month? January. I know you're a month guy. What does got January mean? That means something to, January in what? world. January seventh. Okay, got it. And you're January seventh, seventy nine. Seventy nine. Got it. Forty three. Interesting. And your sister's older than you. October, like you. But how many years older? Just uh, one. She's okay. born one. Seventy. Got it. Seventy seven. <clears throat> Interesting dynamics. Interesting dynamic with pops. And is he still around or no? So. My story is, to get to it. So I feel you can't take your destiny
0: away. My whole life, I've run away from baseball. Baseball calls me the worst things in the world, right? When I moved to Los Angeles, J-Lo has a TV show. She discovers me here in Miami. I go, you know what? I'm going to start acting. First thing, I, I ruined my high school career. I tried to hit like somebody else. I tried to be like, at that time, Barry Bonds or Seiken Seiko, whatever, and I'm a contact guy. But I'm trying to do more to impress, mm-hmm. to be the guy, which later in life I would learn that lesson. So I sabotaged my whole career. I went nowhere. I walked on to Miami Dade Community College when three teams turned into
1: one. Do you know Adam? Do you know Adam? Did you, do you and Adam Sosting know each other or no? No. No. Okay. So after I did that, I failed miserably.
0: I, go, uh, I went to uh, one school in North Carolina for a little bit, D2, had a great fall. I started, Wilhelmina started calling me, calling me. I go, I go. La Vida Loca with Ricky Martin. I just kind of hot. Oh, like, dude, I'm going to go back to Miami. I'm done with this baseball thing. My dad was the kind of guy that if we were, I'm in college and I had a friend of mine visiting me from out of town. And he noticed that I wasn't practicing one day and he actually pulled me aside in the house. And I'm like, dude, I'm in college. This is my office. He grasped me by the thing. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Are you doing? And, I, and I'm, I was like, this guy's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So after that, I moved to Los Angeles. And in six months, I'm sleeping in a car because you asked me where I lived, in the Hollywood Hills. I thought California was sunny California. So I was gonna be perfect. I'll sleep in my car, I never worked before. So I'll lower the windows and this will be great. And I'll find a chick, this is what I thought. This is my master problem, find some white girl, find somebody that'll take me in and I can maneuver myself. Pat, I didn't talk, talk to a single person for six months other than sunset tanning, and I Would sneak in, I talk to the girls, they let me tan for free. I look like a million bucks and Equinox in West Hollywood. Okay, but here's the kicker: this is why I tell people Equinox in West Hollywood is the best Equinox. That gym, you have you'll see every celebrity in the world with it, right? But it's also in West Hollywood, so you're very close to Boys Town. So at nighttime, that gym is 90% game. So here I am coming out of, I don't know where I'm at, showering, and I'm shredding, I look like a like a beast. In that environment, in the middle of the night, I, I, one time I came out of there with my towel all set. I go, oh my god! After that, they thought I was the mummy because I, would, <laughs> I had <laughs> twenty towels all So they didn't even look at me. I did that, <laughs> and I walked in, and I was like, "This is never." I know the exaggeration. This, this is never happening to me again. So I did that. Six months into it, my Wilhelmina goes, "Listen, I want you to talk to this professor. This guy's very good." I was like, "Okay." I go see the flyer and the flyer says, Gary Austin created the Groundlings. I don't know what any of this is. i come from the baseball world. Created the Groundlings. When Helen Hunt won her Academy Award for as good as it gets, she thanked him. Mm-hmm. This guy has to be good then. I go to his class. Pat, when I go to his class and I'm sitting there, this dude is wearing a retro Houston Astros baseball jacket. I go, oh, he's a baseball guy, I got him. That's all I said, he's a baseball guy. And I knew, I had a feeling inside. That the school, the acting school, was going to change my whole situation. I knew it. So once I started talking to people, he does a baseball analogy out of the blue. I raise my hand and I go, Professor, you're absolutely right. Listen, I used to play baseball, blah, 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 this whole thing. Pat, I end up living with him, his wife, and his four Eskimo dogs that are the most disgusting. Like the house was a disaster, North Hollywood a disaster. But I thought I was in the Four Seasons because I was learning and I, and I had this thing. I never thought I'd become Coach HP why I'm now. So I did that and I find myself. I have to make a living. I never worked before mm-hmm. and I have a certain amount of money and that's it. So he had an actor kid that was working regularly. And he goes, Listen, this guy, his brother has a company called the Amazing Parties. It does high end birthday parties. You'd be great at it because you're sports. So that's why I started doing kids' birthday parties, multimillionaire, Beverly Hills birthday parties. So it's me, the reptile guy, the balloon guy, and I'm there doing baseball stuff and, and uh, Dr. Dodgeball. I'm doing all these things, right? And I become a celebrity baseball coach. And I'm training celebrity kids in the Beverly Hills Little okay? Where this comes into play is my last, and what I tell people, this is all stuff. Bro, this, this interview is like you interviewing yourself. Which, by the way, I'm gonna say something to you. A lot of people have asked you what the greatest interview you've done. The greatest interview you've done is Patrick interviewing Patrick. Mm-hmm. Nobody says, you don't even say that. At least because it's like the Patrick who was interviewing Convinced the the interviewee, Patrick was angry in the beginning because he didn't like that you asked that you asked him the dancing question. But then you convinced him. People don't pick up on that. I saw that. So that's the best interview we've ever. That acting job was phenomenal. So when I'm there, I start doing famous people's kids coaching famous them, famous coaching one on one, one on one. But I start to notice this is where my dad comes in that they all lack discipline. That they all these rich kids very famous parents, but I don't see them in the practices. I see them eating and it's like chewing and food, like like a mess. I go, that's the problem. I'm 26 at the time, 27. Mm -hmm. I go, that's the problem. So I start implementing my dad's system, but 2.0, which is on a positive way. So I start telling these very famous parents and nobody tells me anything. I go, listen buddy. You want your son to have some kind of discipline? We gotta change this. I'm gonna ask you a favor. Are you filming a movie now? No, I need you to come to watch and train. I want you to sit there. And at the time smartphones weren't, I just want you to watch. And everyone wants to say something positive. Clap. do something, don't judge. Why? Because you gotta understand that we need you. They're not gonna ask you, but these kids need you. They need to see you, they need to see that vibe. And they need to see that you're part of the program. Not that you're just funding it, because at the end of the day, Listen, your kids right now, you could have imagined to live in a house that you live in. Now, was like a dream to you. They're only going from there up in their brains. So we get used to that. How do you prepare? Because that house didn't lead to this, right? I'm like Tarantino with my story. How do we get to that?
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: this is the guy. Because how many Bet Davids are gonna work here?
1: Man, I remember this job. Doran. I lived off of Doran and I worked at Burger King Duran. Yeah, I was I was 16 years old 17 years old working my boss's name was Eddie It was me Kogan and Devine Kogan and Devine were uh, uh, Drive-through cashiers And I was a chef. I was a cook. They wouldn't let me do anything else So I, I could have never been a cashier They just would say you would make whopper no onions. That's what I made in the back and then, you know, one day I left this place. I got a job offer at Bob's Big Boy, which is five miles from here on Glen Oaks. And then after that, I ended up, not Bob's Big Boy in this place, haagen One day uh, I'm at my sister's house and they stole uh, my car. And I woke up in the morning, I called my dad. I said, dad, you gotta come pick me up. I'm going to the army. He came, took me to Glendale, went to the recruiting station, Jesus Guerrera. Now, why the army? Because you just felt hopeless. No, because sue has been following up with me since 14. Really? Yeah, because I had bad grades. And he came and he says, listen, man. Being smart, you had bad grades. I was great at calculus. I was great at math. Everything else I had no interest for. Zero. Zero. And I wasn't a kid that would ditch. I was there every day. I just didn't like any of the structure that they have. Didn't do anything for me. I need, I need a discipline in my life. Because I'm living with my mom. So my dad's not able to discipline me for eight years. So the last time my dad disciplined me, I was 10 years old where there was structure. My mom couldn't do anything with me. She couldn't control me. So I go to the army and then Drill Sergeant Green gets a hold of me. Okay. This guy, 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, he would walk very stoic, calm. One day it's me and three other guys. Everybody's a tough guy. At least we think we're tough guys. We're, you know, we're all acting tough. We're getting to fights and, you know, laundry, all these places we're doing fights. And he says, I wanna take you guys on a place. And he takes us in the H1 Hummer and we go to the back, back 40. And he's driving, it's like 40 minutes at this point. It's kinda of awkward. We're like, why is this guy you know, going to a place like this? So he gets up and he says, okay, you guys can step outside. And we step outside and he takes off his jacket. He hangs it off the mirror. And he says, okay, who wants to go first? And we're like, what do you mean? You, we can fight. I'm not gonna tell anybody, but which one of you guys wants to go first? Like General Sergeant Green, we don't want to beat you. We're all 6'2, every one of us, like we're all big, all of us, all four of us. He says, Don't worry, I won't tell anybody. Well, let's fight. Who wants to go first? So I'm like, okay, let's see what's gonna happen. So one of us goes, beats the hell out of all four of us, but he played one rule. And here's the thing he did. He never once hit our face. Everything he hit was here. No way. We couldn't breathe. And we're all on the ground. We're like, we're done, we're good. He says, you guys are going to listen to me moving forward. I'm the alpha. You listen to me. Do you understand me? We said, yes, sir. He said, don't call me sir. I'm your drill sergeant. Yes. Put your clothes on. We went back. Game over. That guy was our drill sergeant that we'd follow anywhere. Graduation comes. My dad drives from LA to South Carolina. And he sees my drill sergeant. And my drill sergeant says, sir, we were able to do to your son in 12 weeks, which you and your wife couldn't do in 18 years. And he didn't know the whole story that I didn't live with my dad. But the guy brought discipline in a way that I needed it. Because at that point, I had no clue what I was going to do in my life. He gave me structure. He gave me discipline. He gave me confidence. And when I got out of the military, I applied all of that to my life. But that's how this thing came about with Burger King.
0: When I look at your at your trajectory, you're, it's so interesting how you get... A, You find a bride. You're like, this is the one I want to marry. You pre-qualify. How do you get the idea? You pre-qualified her. You Mm -hmm. literally said, I want you to read this book. Here are your questions. Whatever. That is something that isn't common. Right? It's almost like you knew that this was coming. So you didn't want to mess this up with like a divorce or
1: like a cheating thing or like something like that. How did you think of that? Who told you to think that way? Nobody did, but it's probably gonna come from my dad again. Uh, But for me, marriage is one of the biggest risks you'll ever take in your life. It's very risky, okay? Especially in America. In the Middle East, marriage is not risky because you're protected. In America, it's very risky because you're not protected. She's protected. Even though if she can screw up in every possible way, you're not protected. She's protected in America, so that's the system. So knowing it's one of the biggest risks you'll take, okay? Marriage, having kids, starting a business, all of those are big big risks. If you're gonna take a risk that big, you gotta be as prepared and clear upfront before you enter the institution of marriage. You gotta have the emotion, you gotta have the physical attraction, you gotta have the connection, you gotta have the magic, you gotta have all that stuff. But all that stuff is not gonna make it last forever, right? And then you got to have the other thing. Say, how many days can you be okay with me being away? At what time at home do you need need me home at night? How many kids do you want to have? Who manages the finances? Who makes the final decision? If you have issues with your family, who's supposed to pay the money for? Your dad's funeral. Your mom's, am I supposed to pay for it? If your sister screws up, who's supposed to take care of the finances? Your own money or my money or our money? Who does that? Cooking. Do you like to cook? Because I want my wife to cook. I don't care what you do for them, but you have to cook med- Every one of these things, it was 101 questions. I said, I only need 54 or 55 of these questions. I don't care about the other ones, but I'll go through every one of them with you. So I did that exercise with four girls at the time that I liked, all of them. And they all knew this guy's looking for a wife because it was either how old are you, how old are you, 28 you? years old. So young. That's young. That's 28 years year. old. It was 28 years old. And I went through it with three other girls, girls I you know, loved. I mean, we, we have a very solid connection, but long-term it's not gonna work. So here we made a decision to get married. At my wedding day, when I'm giving the message to everybody, I said, hey, I wanna manage expectations with all of you guys moving forward in front of 500 people at my wedding. I said, number one, don't ask my wife if she's pregnant. It's none of your business. I don't want anybody asking my wife that question. We'll let you know it's not your business. Don't ask us. Okay, if you want to see us more than once, don't ask us that question, leave it to us. We'll let you know and we will be more than happy to celebrate that day with you, but don't ask. Number two, I don't know how long we're going to be married. Here's what I do know. I think we can make it for one year year. and we're going to take this one year at a time. It's at 12 years right now. June 26 will be 13 years, the same day Brooklyn, my baby was born, the youngest baby was born, will be our 13th year. We don't put that additional pressure on right, right. marriage that you know people put over themselves and it's like so much havoc with it. But if you're gonna make a decision to get married, you that that's a decision that you gotta really process with a lot of questions together. You can't just go because the sex is great, because she's hot, because you're hot. That'd be one of the biggest mistakes you'll make if you go based on that. Marriage is a lot deeper than that. It's a business, it's a relationship, it's a friendship, it's it's a lot of different things. So Looking at it from that one side is a mistake.
0: I, I I love that you bring that up. So as I go to the future now, and I see what you're doing, right? One of the one of my biggest objectives with having you on is, I was talking yesterday to Carlos Blues. Remember Carlos Booze, the basketball coach? Of work with his son. Yeah, and he, he played for the Lakers two or two seasons for a little. Yeah, bit, for a little yeah. bit. And he goes to me. He goes, HP, what's up, man? How's the podcast? What well, I'm watching He's doing great. I'm gonna be on it All this thing. I go, yeah, I know. I'm gonna have Patrick but David on tomorrow. And I did a poll, and it's funny because more people know your look versus your name. And I noticed that, especially on the East Coast. Yeah. Right? Because as I asked a ton of people, he knew you because of Rogan. He was on the Rogan thing. I think maybe he, you know him from before? The Rogan. Did you know about him before? Before. Before. But a lot of people are doing it, and I go. I got to help Patrick in this part. I got to get, I got to put both together because yeah, the picture's great. But if, if I show the person, no, I, to me, I love what you're doing with value team. When you said, here's the iron. So I know both sides. You said you want to make it CNN. Half of it's CNN, right? I had a very good relation with Larry King. So I know CNN very well. Not politically, but I know the guy real well. Ted Turner was at the house a couple times, and I, I was able to do that. And you said you want to make it, and nobody on your show knows this one. CNN plus Kirk Kerkorian, right? Kirk Kakorian is your people. Uh-huh. Kirk Kakorian is super important because he's almost like the old school Steve Wynn, in a sense, you know? Armenian guy, entertainment guy, like good business guy. Whatever. And then Jim Murren, I don't know if you know who Jim Murin is. Jim Muirin used to be the CEO and chairman of MGM Resorts International. He used to work for Deutsche Bank before he got the thing. He was, he handled the numbers and all that for Kirk mm-hmm. now, The reason why I know Jim Buren is because after I failed six years as a as an actor, I tried to act. I only got like three things in Los Angeles as a celebrity coach. The map. I was driving around, you ever see Entourage? Of course. I'm driving around Kevin Connolly. Mm-hmm. I'm, dri- I'm his driver because I've never drank. I've done, I looked this way. I've never drank or done drugs in my life. Never tried to taste that alcohol. The only time I ever tasted alcohol is when I kissed a girl in a you club. You never drank. Never drank in my life. Ever. 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 And here's where it gets super interesting. I'm driving him around and he goes to me. He goes, man, the way you're with people. You know where you belong? Las Vegas. And I thought about it for a second. And I go, he's right. So I, so I grab everything. I move to Las Vegas.
1: What year is this?
0: This is... Oh, wait. Before this, I, I'm going to, I'll forget, this. I'm going to start, bring this up. Aaron Spicer. I was involved in a little thing that I get some money, so I'm doing good. I hire Aaron, so I go to Aaron Spicer's class. I thought I saw you there. Did you do privates with him or classes with him? I did him a too? private with him,
1: yeah. Because I felt like Spicer I saw was a you. coach of Will Smith, J-Lo. Do you know his story at all or no? No. So he, this is interesting, he gets the Wayne Brothers.
0: So he becomes the guy of the Wayne brothers. Mm -hmm. The Wayne brothers start bringing him in, actors. So he gets J-Lo. He gets Jennifer. He goes, at the time that I get Jennifer, Jennifer, all the roles for Latinos was Rosie Perez. Everything was a Rosie Perez type. J-Lo played Selena. J-Lo played Selena. he coached on Selena. He got her for that. But he goes, when I got Jennifer, she had an ass like this. She was a flying or whatever. So the first, he really believed in leaning people out, leaning people out, leaning people out. So when I got to him, I was jacked. I was on a lot of juice. So I was like, a, I was a monster, right? And he saw me and he goes, ah, the worst guy I, I hated is I loved his classes. I hated him one-on-one because I don't know if he felt the same thing. I always felt that he went slow on purpose. So that the class, money, he, yeah. yeah, like the money. He'd be like, well, the thing you have to do, Patrick, is you got to believe. They just, and I'd be like, oh my God, this guy's killing me. Like, get to the point, yeah. you know, get to the point. But here's the interesting part. He gets the rock. The movie that with Travolta, I think it's called like Get Shorty or something
1: where the rock plays a yeah. gay
0: character and the rock is really, he yeah. leans them out like nothing. He
1: was the bodyguard for Vince Vaughn and Andre 3000 was in it. Uh, Andre, yeah, yeah, from Outcast. They had a great lineup. Great yeah. lineup. Yeah that movie Twinkle Twinkle yes that whole yes. scene yes. where they're yes. running around the car yes yeah.
0: he does that right right after that The Rock goes fuck this I'm gonna become The Rock and I share that story with people because right before I moved to Hollywood like as I was doing it I started losing my hair I don't know if it was because me dealing with my dad or mm-hmm. what the fuck but I started losing my hair probably at the age of 19 20 and I would go to barbers and barbers would tell me in Spanish they'd be like chico pero tu estás cabu." It's almost like, like they were insulted that I was losing my hair. I was like, bro, you think I have a choice here? Like, so as I'm a tall dude, when they would do my hair, they would notice I was standing here. And I was like, fuck, man, that's, it sucks. And I had jet black hair like you. So I'm like, this is horrible. And I wanted to be, a, this is a mistake that I made because of my identity issues. I wanted to be a lead man. And there was no bald guy mm-hmm. lead man. And I wasn't gonna rock the Jason Statham. I'm not doing that. That, that little half homie don't mm-hmm. play that thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. So I did the hair surgery, right? But unlike you, you do prepare for everything in life. I did it. I wish hair surgery works. I'm going to get it. I'm going to be good about I'm going to be like Deuce Bigelum. You know the guy with the long hair? I'm going to be Rocky like that ponytail. This is that. Patrick, I don't know. You have to take Propecia, Proscar, And now, you take Propecia. What is Propecia's number one thing to do? Lower your what? Testosterone. It's a blocker because usually guys were bald, it's because they have too much testosterone. Wow. So look at this irony now, and I did zero. I don't like this, why are you successful, man? So i have to give you props. I come, I do that. My hair, I don't get the surgery right. I get stuck with the happy face scar here for the rest of my life. And I literally went from 25 that I did the surgery to 30 with hair issues in my brain the whole time. So I did, I would try to cover my hair and I cut it. And then there's this thing called topics of mm-hmm. the Hollywood, mm-hmm. hair, which is awesome that it was full. But then what happens? You hook, a whole purpose is to hook up with chicks. I'm hooking up with the girls. Like I have to do like the matrix karate chop. Cause you know how girls, they gotta tell your hair. You can't jump in the pool. You can't jump in the shower nothing. But at the age of 31, when I moved to Las Vegas, I shaved my head and I go fuck it. And the reason why I bring this story up is something you do very well is you talk about things that matter and we are unprepared. We're unprepared to deal with baldness as men. We're unprepared to deal with machismo, testosterone as ethnic men. We're unprepared to deal with vulnerability. So when Coach Massey on the show mentions, no oh, that this generation is not prepared and they want everything instant, of course they're not because they haven't been taught and how he mentions the parents, 1000% the problem is the parents. Mm-hmm. But the schools is on top of that because me and you understand this extremely well. Do you wanna know why? Because we were around in the beeper era. So when somebody had the beeper, oh, I got the mm-hmm. 823, I got this, she's thinking about me. I mean, yeah. but, so we understand that. How are you gonna explain to Dylan when the guy's like, Dad, I wanna see a movie? Okay, boom, there we go. That That's not how dreams happen, that's not how you find the love of your life. That's not, how how do you teach that? And the reason why you're important is because you're a guy that's entering realms of that with value tainment, with what you're doing because the most, and I wanna get your take on this, the most important post in my eyes, piece of content you've ever done is the one you did with your house. And I'm gonna tell you why. How many guys can show off their $25 million house and not come across like complete big heads. There's only one guy. You. You show that house with heart, with family. Like when I saw that, and I saw that in November, I had known of you, but I had no interest in Patrick and David. Once I saw that, I go, I'm going to interview this guy. I said to myself, I go, I'm going to interview this guy. I'm going to talk to him that. Hmm. Go through me with your mindset. When you were walking through the house, because now you're out of your comfort zone, because that's not you. Like, this is like literally this. So I think that was so important. And I'm going to tell you why after. But I want to hear from you, Pat. While you were doing that, what was your mindset that, okay, I don't want to look like a
1: fucking idiot here. I'm doing this for a reason. What was your
0: mindset doing that?
1: It's it's crazy. It's not me. That's not my style to to do that. But <clears throat> I am a marketer. And I understand the story of marketing and people knowing of, you know, what you're doing. And I saw a couple other channels showing the house. So I said, if you're going to tell the story of the house, I'm going to tell the story of the house from my perspective. And here's what this house means to me. So it was it was getting ahead of other people telling the story of the house. And But from my uh, uh, point of view, not anybody else's point of view, when we got that house. But that's really all it was. You know, I got a lot of things that um, I could be shown. I don't do it because that's not... The DNA of the content we create. Entertainment is value, entertainment, and it's becoming a movement. That's really the DNA of the content, but that is a part of it. Marketing—I'd say marketing is what it was. But you just came across so cool. Like yeah, you didn't come across as
0: a dude. I don't. But, but here's—I don't.
1: I don't want to. But you know, I—I—I um, I, I always, uh, when I was a kid, and in America, they talk about these sleepovers people do, and you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be good with kids doing sleepovers. Is uh, you want to sleepover at my house? You can have a sleepover at our house. Right? Where I know exactly where everybody's at. Right. I'm not comfortable with my kids doing sleepovers at anybody else's house. So everything here is thought of, of you know, even this is a beautiful house we got. But I got another idea of what I want to do with a house because I want all my kids when they're married and they have grandkids, I want all their grandkids to come and see grandpa. Right. So to do that, That'd I want cool. that hey, I want yeah. that opportunity yeah. for grandkids to want to be around it. That'd be the biggest driver. When, Alma, how are we doing on time? Five more, minutes. Five more minutes.
0: Joe Rogan. Yeah. You're happy with that, how that turned out? Are you, oh, yeah. I yeah. almost felt like you interviewed him. You didn't know it, but I felt like you interviewed him. Yeah. You look super natural, super cool. How was that? Any nerves going into that? Was Talk to me about that.
1: No, because Joe, to me, is one of the most realest guys out there. You know? There's there's two things in life, uh, when it comes down to a connection with an individual. There's many people you'll love in life, but you may not like them. They just so happen to be your family. I can love you. I don't have to like you. There's a few people in life you're gonna like. You're not gonna love. And then there's gonna be certain people gonna be like, Man, I just like this guy. I love this guy. You know, Joe is that guy. Joe's the guy you like, and Joe's the guy you love, and you will fight for. you. Like this guy's got to keep his voice. Right. You know, he's one of those guys. Those guys. Are hard to find. The guy's got money, the guy's got respect, the guy's got, you know, he lives a life that he wants to live, and he can beat up 99.9% of the world. But he's just Joe Rogan. Let you me know. Tell you so you me, feel me, that way. Let him.
0: me tell you what I love that that you did. I saw your post, I saw your dinner with him, I saw Tony sitting across the edge. I yeah. know Tony's coming on a show right away. I knew it was coming on PVD, he's here, PVD. What I love that you're doing is you're now opening up the branch. That's why. It's a difference between the one-on-one thing, the mafia thing, mm-hmm. and all that worked beautifully, right? But what you're doing now with the team, I like because you're adding now, you're a fast bugger, and now you're adding a curveball to your rotation. Now you have it adding a change-up, and you're going to become the guy in four. When you come to South Florida, soon you're going to get my boy, Andrew Schultz. He'll be on this thing. Elon is coming at some point of the thing, you'll get a, you're gonna be the comedian guy that comes into it. and I think that plays very well with you because nobody in your world is doing that authentically. Did you do that on purpose? Uh,
1: the comedy side? Yeah. The comedy side uh, is a strategic move because comedy allows you to talk about anything. Yeah. Comedy is very necessary because when when I'm in a pretty serious business, right? I'm in insurance, which is very, very serious, right? Financial, it's very, very serious. And if you're just in a box, well, you have to be very serious when you talk about this stuff. Comedy allows you to shoot the shit, but you can still make people think. Right. Comedy allows you to get somebody to say, man, that just
0: makes sense.
1: You know, I laughed, I cracked up. That was a pretty great joke. But the point behind it was... I don't know. I've never thought about it that before. This makes sense. So I think comedy, uh, I tweeted the other day saying something about comedians are uh, extremely important today to be protected because we have to allow comedians to say whatever the hell they want to say. And we have to be okay with getting offended by it. We can't, we can't get everybody to walk on eggshells. Okay, fine. Certain people, you don't want them to say anything they want to say, fine. Comedians, we got to let them say whatever they want to say.
0: Two things. So. After I left Los, uh, Los Angeles, I moved to Las Vegas on a four-year run. I became the most successful nightclub host. Uh, I started off as a promoter and I ended up being director of customer development, a club called Hyde in the Bellagio. Mm-hmm. I lived at the Aria hotel at the, it was a Mandarin Oriental at the time. I was the four C and now it's the, this is, this is 2010. This is 2011, Yeah, Hyde, Hyde opened in 2011 on four year run so this is after
1: run. Pimps and Hoes so Pimps and Hoes is still going on or no it's I been done for a while probably been okay. done for a while got it and I become, I I become
0: Mr. Las Vegas like I got my yeah. PhD there on how to deal with people hmm. I became the most powerful guy in Las Vegas that didn't own a club like I was the guy and I really learned how to Why deal with leave? people why'd you leave because I felt the man upstairs was talking to me and he goes okay the legend can't die in a Las Vegas nightclub you need more there's something here missing, and I was like, everything that I. This is the first time my dad was proud of me. Like I would imagine, every I have every hookup on that I have a, uh, my man, George, the famous chef, bro. John George, John George is cooking for me. I'm because I'm the guy. I'm in a Vegas nightclub. Everybody's coming to me in the Bellagio. I'm friends with all the chefs with everybody. Private planes. Now I'm with celebrities. Now I have. And I have what I've always mm-hmm. wanted, right? Mm-hmm. But the man upstairs started talking to me, and he started mm-hmm. talking to me. And he goes, listen, you. and somebody came and spoke to me and said, listen, you're not going to be this club guy forever. The lady was very religious. She goes, you're going to end up working with kids. I go, are you crazy? I'm not leaving this. I've been wanting this my whole life. And so the only reason why I left that is because I felt something. Interesting. And then I left to marry the love of my life, who was a Cuban girl from Miami. We went to the same high school, never spoke to her. But I saw her one time. It was the hottest girl in the world. And she reached out to me to throw her best friends back to the party. And I did it. And I saw everything aligning, I go, I'm gonna do that. Last place I wanted to do was come back to Florida, come back to Miami, I was winning like crazy. And I did that and I moved here and I became Coach HP. And all I do is, I'm like the kid whisperer, I help people with stuff in their kids.
1: Pat, there's a million things here, we're gonna have to do a part I wish we right had now. more time, but we don't, no. because I literally have a mastermind right now. No, they no. keep walking past. You do what you gotta do. Yeah. But,
0: dude, I'm so proud of you for everything you accomplished. I'm here to help. I, I can't tell you how many things. Grab the paintings real quick so we can show them that. Before I let you go, anything I can help you with, man? Any questions for me? Uh, I'm, I'm working with Dylan. That's, you're gonna have me on a baseball field yeah.
1: and I'm, that's the done deal. No, but we gotta follow up. Like, we gotta follow up and see what we can do. But uh, off camera, we'll, we'll definitely have to have, and you live in Miami right yeah, now? Yeah. I'm You live by. in Miami right now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Dylan, right now, um, Dylan's got a soccer coach. Dylan's got a jujitsu coach. He does not have a baseball coach. The guy that's working with him right now, he's working strictly on his son. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to have many conversations together. We'll have a lot.
0: It's your coach. I'm going to tell you where this guy goes. He's everywhere. Patrick, but David, the legend, the man. See you on the next one.